Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about the books coming out on the third of May, twenty twenty-two. Starting with Batman number one twenty-three, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Howard Porter. It is interesting that last week we talked about having a poor man's Howard Porter, and now we get the real deal. So, uh, Vincey, what did you think of this issue? Did you think that the real Howard Porter stacked up better than his uh, dime story imitation from last week? Yes. Well, I'm glad you started with that because to me, you'll remember that when we talked about that issue with the the, the Pantalena art, um, I had said that I, I was not vibing with that issue as much as I have been enjoying this event, event thus far. I could just not get into that issue. And no offense to Pantalena, who does like definitely like workable a workable job, you know, but I, I don't think there's a better example than seeing one right after another to show why like Howard Porter, even though they have similar styles, just does a much better job with storytelling. I think like it's so immediately striking opening this book when Porter does the scene where the prisoner's being like taken away to the back and, and he thinks he's going to see his lawyer. And then it's, it's, Bruce and Damien in the shadows and they, they pop out and Damien says we're from Batman and Robin LLP, which is so, that's so much fun. That's such a fun line, but just the staging and the, the like acting that Porter gets out of these characters is so much more subtle and just makes for a, it makes for a more dramatic read than Pantalena's art from the week before, which just hit me like a ton of like, it's just telling the story and it's not doing anything extra, I think, to create drama or to create mood, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and we can get deeper into that as we go along. But but to me, that that is that is the story here. That is the difference for why I was not enjoying last week as much. And this week I'm back in. Essentially, last week, you were not feeling the either issue as much as you had been um, sort of the event up to that point. Does this now has this restored your faith in this event or is it just the art was better and that's the end of it? Oh, I mean. I I think everything in this issue was more interesting as well, and I, I. I don't know whether to chalk it up a hundred percent to the art, but certainly that was the thing that struck me most. Mm-hmm. I will say. Zach, um, do you Zach. agree? Yeah, I was gonna, Zach, do you agree about the art being significantly? Oh, better? the art is so good. I again, this is like some of the best Howard Porter I've seen in ages. So, and I don't mean like Howard Porter is usually bad, but this is like even better than normal Porter, I think. I actually felt like this was, I mean, this was not bad Porter by any means, but I felt like this was more like mid-level. I I don't mean mid in the parlance of our times. I mean, like, you know, not top tier Porter, but not bad Porter either. I I felt this was a, this is a pretty standard Porter for me. Uh, Although I did enjoy it quite a bit. I I just want to say, I feel like this is on par with what he did in issue 121. Mm-hmm. Um, or whatever. No, that he did the yeah, whatever issue he did last. Um, which I guess maybe that was one twenty two. Um, and I feel like both of these issues are a an advancement on his like flash work, which I guess was like the most recent thing we had seen from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that goes beyond just the, the the line work itself. Like Brian, if you thought that the line work was a little rough at times, I I don't know if I agree, but I'm not saying I can... it was rough. I, I I just feel like you know Zach calling it like among the like whatever you call it, the top tier, whatever. I, I just think this was to me this wasn't like demonstrably better than the usual stuff we're getting. Mm-hmm. That's not saying it's I, bad. It's just no, yeah. But I but I think I. I I think where the key really is and, and where Porter shows himself to be like one of the best things going at Cape comics right now, I think is just the drama with which he stages everything. Like 
Bruce is running around and just his stance in a lot of these panels, like he's hunched over, he's holding his cape in his hands to like look like a gargoyle almost Uh at times. And when he and Damien sneak into the, the um, Gamby, the, the, the tailor, the like costume tailor guy, when they sneak into that compound, just, the way the action flows from like them landing to them going down the shaft and then like Bruce accidentally tripping the, the laser that shoots the flames out. Mm-hmm. All of Specific, that is- specifically because Damien said he had a girlfriend now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Which is like, there are people who will find that to be silly, but oh, come on that that's great. Like It is silly, but it's like, well, there's it, should, gonna... it should be silly, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. Batman yeah. is silly. Ba- yeah. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, but there will be people who are pissed like Batman would never do ba- Batman's always prepared. He's always he would never just trip on a laser, you know, <laughs> and, and like, please come on, like, just try to have some fun with comics, please. Um, But just the way that Porter stages that whole sequence is just there's so much consideration made to the way that they're moving and the, the way the light hits them and just, you know, like they're moving in the shadows and it's, it's just so different from a, a lot of artists who just come in and do the work and like uh, sleepwalk their way through it. I think like there's, there's, there's consideration on how reporters part for, for, how this is all staged in a way that I think some artists do not quite think about that much, or, or, or at least the, the product doesn't, it doesn't show that on the page necessarily. Yes. I'll definitely argue with that. I think Porter has always been somebody whose page construction and storytelling has been above his, um, his like natural draftsman abilities, right? There are certain artists. I mean, like, I, I know this is a name that we're not supposed to utter anymore and for good reason, but I feel like even those who love Ethan Van Skyver's work would have to admit that he's a much better technical artist than he is a storyteller, right? Like his, his pages are always felt a little bit static and never really, uh, you know, he, he was just to me, he was never an effective visual storyteller. The thing that sold me on that opinion specifically was his flash rebirth, which was the most like stayed posed book of all time. And a flash book should be anything but that. Right. So I've always thought the Porter was somebody who, even if some of the line work wasn't quite up to what you'd expect from maybe like the top tier of comics artists, he always made up for it in just doing fantastic um visual storytelling like you were saying Vince. so yeah i agree with that for sure uh what do we think of this story this issue uh did did i say who i think the villain is in an earlier episode i think so but say it again yeah well, every I show is someone's first show oh uh, well i i only bring that up because i feel like this issue just really really confirms it that this is uh is it brian or byron 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 biden biden Biden. it's it's geoforce come on man (laughs) come on man it is geoforce but let me find the the bit of dialogue where they're interrogating this guy which like first of all what a callback to tie this into bendis's justice league (laughs) like what the one in the world um so good uh but this guy the the exact arc that i fell off by the uh way yeah (laughs) because it was so boring yeah yeah so this guy who was like in bendis's justice league he was hired by the royal flush gang him and a bunch of other people to dress up as death strokes we find out that there was another guy there at the um at gamby's the the uh, you know the rogues tailor uh to get a deathstroke costume and he says uh he he wasn't with us but he was also getting a deathstroke costume a pretty boy he looked familiar but i couldn't place him and his costume was special he wanted it to look classic um let's see i could feel the anger radiating off of him like the room was shaking 
Uh, yeah, almost like there was an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like I'm, I feel like it's confirmed. <laughs> I'll yeah. be really disappointed if these are all just red herrings. <laughs> I also think like Geoforce was the obvious, like there was a scene or two with him earlier in the story. I feel like if he, if he were a red herring, he already would have been accused and then we would have been on to like, Oh, who the, who the, who the real guy is, sure, you know, sure. but because they haven't visited that yet. And it's part five, then, then he's the real guy. Well, so my only, I don't think you're wrong, Zach. My only question is like, he clearly has a reason to want to frame Slade, right? Because of the whole Terra thing. Mm-hmm. But what is what is the reason for him wanting to kill Rachel Ghoul? Um, I don't I don't think it is Rache because he says in that later in this issue, Damien, no, not Damien. Somebody is like, it's not about deaths, uh, Rachel Ghoul, it's about Slade and Talia. And the issue, the thing with Talia is the Leviathan stuff. Right. Destroying Markovia. Right. Okay, that makes sense. That does make sense. Um yeah, I mean, I, I think that's actually not. I, Geoforce is one of my favorite like sea level DC characters. I wish that he was used more. So I don't love that he's only brought back to be a villain. Because I think he's actually a really cool character that should be generally used on more. I, I think he's he's like the he's a perfect example of who should be like the sixth member on a Justice League team. A guy that we don't see that often that has an interesting skill set that isn't really replicated elsewhere. Though instead of having the big seven as the Justice League every time, throw us a Geoforce now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, see, of- you, you know what I think this uh, continues to remind me of? Like, I, I have said a few times that I think that everything that Williamson is doing is an in infinite frontier, feels very like road to infinite crisis esque. Uh huh. And this feels like, I know this wasn't necessarily part of, um, well, actually, yeah, this this would be not unlike the Max Lord assassin, character assassination. Mm. Ma- making a classic her- heroic character a villain. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Okay, I could see that, yeah. Um, the, the one thing I, don't, I just wanted to say before I forgot is that uh, it's not a very good run, but I will always appreciate the Brad Meltzer Justice League because of having Geoforce and Vixen and Red Arrow on that team and Red Tornado. Like I, I really appreciate the, the just the weirdness of those characters that were on his JLA team, even though even if the book's not very good. Um, it did give way to the um, Dwayne McDuffie run yes. though that used. That I think it was mostly the same characters. I believe so. Yes, I, I want to say that one had John Stewart as a part of it. Where I want to say the Meltzer, Meltzer one had, had Hal Jordan. Yeah, I think yeah. that it is essentially the same team. Um, I also do want to say that I was very disappointed when it turned out it was Gambies and not John B the Genie from uh, from <laughs> Pee Wee's Playhouse making suits for them. <laughs> Your wish is granted. Long live John B. <laughs> <laughs> Mekaleka high, Mekahaini ho. Uh, you're contractually obligated to do your Pee Wee impression. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't even my best one. That was well, that was a lesser one. It's still better than uh, former SNL cast member Taryn Killams. Well, so, I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, I'll make sure to tell him next time I see him. No, don't don't tell him that. I will never see him, so it works out. I already uh, gave his first issue of his comic book like a six point five, so I'm on his shit list. What was uh, that comic? Oh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was about what if what if uh, James Bond spilt more seed than a blind parakeet? <laughs> Do you remember? I think he also did a um, a Spider-Man miniseries for War of the Realms, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds correct. Nutty stuff. Yes. They'll let funny guys write any com any any cape comic. Yeah, except for three funny guys I can think of. I know, right? <laughs> three three freaking clowns. Three jokers. <laughs> three, three, oh, three oh. jokers. Um, uh, I got another thing to say about the story here. So do I, but go ahead. 
Oh, well, you want to go first? No, you go ahead. Against all odds. Take a look at me now. No. Can we stop that? Can that be part of the new show? (laughs) What new show? I don't know. Uh, We have to start this whole thing over again. again. (laughs) Go ahead. No, No, I just never want to hear that again. Um, (laughs) Can't you do like sailing instead or something like that? I know it wouldn't make any sense, but let's change it up. Ricky, don't lose that number. Now it would make sense. Now it would. It yeah. would make sense. Yeah, we established that that's a that's a placeholder for take a look at me now. Yeah, now um, only real ones will know. Yeah, all right. It's another one of our beloved inside jokes that our fans love to feel like they're part of the that they're in on. All right, I'll I'll, I'll substitute a different Phil Collins song every time from now on. All right. So against all odds, Sue Sue Studio. <laughs> that's what I was hoping you'd say. Um, oh. I'm liking Ghostmaker in this because like like I'm enjoying the way that he is slowly but surely putting himself on Batman's level or like thinks of himself that way. So like not like when he's taking over Batman Inc, he's not working for Bruce leading Batman Inc. He's seeing himself as Batman basically. <laughs> You know, he says something about like, no, this is my team, not Batman's team. Right. He's not taking orders from Batman. It's. It's subtle. I I don't know if they can. I don't know if where this is going is going to stick the landing, but there's potential. You know, comics are just not patient in this way anymore, but there's really potential here to make Ghostmaker like a. More of an antihero than he already is. By like having a philosophical disagreement with the way to run Batman Inc. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's there's that's rich material potentially to mine. And like I said, I don't know if I trust the patience of monthly Cape Comics anymore to actually pay off on that. But I enjoy the way he's positioning himself. It's it's true to his character, and it doesn't make him likable, but it makes him more interesting to read. I think to have that going on. Yes, I I will agree with that. I think that this is a generally a better a better way to distinguish himself as a character than just being uh, they used to call Dead Daredevil Red Batman, right? <laughs> uh, than just being like White Batman, right? This yeah. is this is a better a better version of of that story, um, and I also think that the idea of Batman Inc is such a fun idea that doesn't get played with nearly enough. But I also like the idea of like, I think that in, in most Batman Inc stories, the people, the other members of the team are like gung ho to be a part of this. It, it You know, um, whereas I feel like in this instance, you kind of get the sense that for these guys, like a, this is just a job kind of, but also be like, you know, they're not they're happy to be part of Batman. Inc. They're maybe not always happy to take orders from Batman. And, th- and that's 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 a fun. It's a fun avenue to explore here. I enjoy yeah. that. Any Batman Inc. thoughts, Zach? Um, I so you mentioned last time that you didn't think that this was going to play a big role in this shadow war, but might be a bigger thing later. Yes. Now it, I it, wonder it if appears I'm be, wrong. <laughs> well, I'm no, I, I don't necessarily think that you, that's not why I bring it up, but I, I wonder if this is actually this, I, I'm kind of worried that this is all that we're going to get of it. And I'm worried that Zadarsky is not going to carry these threads on. Um after Williamson leaves and I I kind of hope that part of me kind of hopes that like Williamson or someone will do like a Batman Inc. miniseries or a Batman Inc. ongoing even Um, even or you know it'd be great if Zdarsky does continue these threads but I I kind of maybe maybe he will I, I, I don't know like how much how willing he's going to be to like play ball or how much he's going to going to want to do his own thing you know mm-hmm. um so we'll, well see i mean i'll say this i think that even if this is not 
something that's going to be used for the next six months or the next year or whatever. I just think setting up this status quo for Batman Inc. is more interesting than the status quo that we had, which was basically we don't know what the status quo is, right? Like this at least gives some direction for these characters for when somebody comes back to them. Although, like you, I do hope that that is happening sooner than later. Yeah. Also, I didn't read that Batman annual that um, same introduced some of this. So this is my first time of seeing Clown Hunter's new costume, and I think it looks kind of dumb. <laughs> Not a 10 out of 10? It's, I don't think it's a 10 out of 10. Okay. It's like... It's less like punky and more just like normal spandexy. Yeah. It almost looks kind of like futuristic, sort of like cyberpunky, and I don't like it. I will say that I think like in story that actually makes sense where he was like he was a guy who made his own costume and now he's working for a billionaire. It probably does make sense, but I don't I still don't like it. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But, you know, um, I honestly didn't notice the difference. <laughs> I'm looking so, at it right now. Huh. Yeah, it's fine. I, I see what you mean. I did want to talk about the end of the issue. So what's interesting about Deathstroke as a character in comics in general is that while he is clearly a heartless bastard, he's always been a character that has been able to um, sort of tug at the heartstrings when it comes to his family to a certain degree. And Williamson does a really good job here of whether it's for real or not, you know, tugging at the heartstrings with the death of Respawn when he's caught in the crossfire of the uh, of the the battle that's happening here. Do do either of you think that this is uh, the end of of Respawn, or is this going to bring in a Lazarus Pit, which seems like the logical? I think he'll probably just respawn. <laughs> Can he, is he allowed to do that? Wah, wah. Can you uh, even do can that? Can you even do that? But they won't even let me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he's dead. I feel like it would be such a waste to kill him off now. On the one hand, I could comp- I could totally see him as a character that that was only meant to be used for this, and that uh, is kind of disposable. But on the other hand, like you you think they would have got a little more out of him. So I don't know. I still think that all of this is building up, including uh, Dark Crisis, for us to get a like huge Deathstroke story that involves a little bit of Deathstroke Inc., a little bit of Priest stuff, and a little bit of something in the future. Mm. I, I I really, truly believe that DC is going to go is is not going to stop their Deathstroke uh, fatuation, and hopefully they do so in interesting manners. Um, but that's a whole other story. Man, I have an idea, but I probably can't. I don't think I can talk about it. Why not? Is that, is that because of stuff we've already read that we can't talk about this week? Not necessarily even stuff that we haven't that we've read, but just stuff that we kind of can speculate on based on conversations that got it. Yep, one of us more. may have had. Yeah. I don't know. Well, now I want to know. Ain't we stinkers? (laughs) (laughs) Um, We want to talk about this backup. I, man, what a, what, (laughs) what even is this? Like, it reads, uh, it reads as a anthology story that didn't make it into an anthology. Yes, absolutely. 1000%. Yes. Yeah, um, I mean, it was fine. It was. It is. It is fine. I just thought that, like, I thought with the way it was presented in the first issue, that it would be tying into this story somehow, and then to find out that it's actually just like a two-parter that amounts to nothing as far yeah. as like the ongoing story is concerned. I was, I was just like very taken aback. Um, you know what? I'm actually relieved, though. I, I think I kind of am as well. We, did, we didn't need Jokey uh, inserting himself into this. No. That is a very true statement. Yeah, this was a whole lot of nothing. 
Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Not everything has to be something. No, and, and I'll say that I, I do like when Batman has a backup in it. I think I, I'm generally pro backup, even if we've proven time and time again that they're usually not very good. Um, I'm still generally pro backup. And this had uh, this had decent art from Trevor Harrison. I, I know Vince. I believe it's Vince that isn't a big fan of his, correct? I haven't been, but I, I I'm warming up. He he also tends to just be on stuff that I don't really care about or or, or want to read. Sure, that's fair. Um, yeah, yeah. But this this is fine. Fine, if nothing. <laughs> um, so do we know how many parts? Yeah. So I actually is? I actually looked that up today. Um, so next, I'm pretty sure the next chapter is the war zone issue okay and then there's one issue each of robin and deathstroke inc and then the omega issue so there's four more parts okay so Um, we we just crossed the halfway point yeah uh are we still feeling pretty good about this event i yeah i am i i you know i think i was down on the last two issues that we talked about but I I like this issue a lot. Both like the, I thought the art was better, and I thought the plot was more interesting. So um, yeah, I'm I'm still here for this. Vince, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, I already spoke about the art. I just think it I, it makes it feel more special. Um, and I think. I do think more happened here than happened in the Pantalana issue too. Um, I know that's not the end all be all of what makes a good story, but it just, I felt like I was reading something more substantial this week as well. So I don't know if that's because they saved a, a, a good uh, kind of eventy issue for, uh, for Batman because Batman is a, seen as a more important book or whatever but it was just a better week for the event and it's got me feeling better about reading this yeah i i think this is probably you know we've talked a lot in the past few months about dc's sort of more compressed events with having you know a number of issues come out in the same month and not not have everything drag on for so long and i think of the events that we've gotten so far that sort of fit that mold, whether it's um, War for Earth 3 or it's um, the Trial of the Amazons. What was the one before that? There was one more kind of in this rapid fire the, approach. You said, okay, you said Earth 3 and um, Trial of the Amazons. Trial of the Amazons. There was one more, though. Um, was there? <laughs> there was, yes. Um, oh, was it the Superboy? Are you counting that or no? No, 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 no. Uh, no. Or something else. Um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but regardless, I, I I think my point still stands, which is that this is the best of any of those. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I hope that uh, even if they haven't always been great, <clears throat> I am very I really, truly hope that this is going to be the the style of of DC events going forward. Just because it, it, it makes things run a lot smoother. Um, all right, well, let's take a break and we come back. We're going to discuss Flashpoint Beyond number one. So hold on to your butts. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back with Flashpoint Beyond number one, written by Jeff Johns, Jeremy Adams, and Tim Sheridan. Illustrated by Zermanico and Mikkel 
Janine. Uh, Kyle, you gotta sneak. You gotta sneak that Janine in. (laughs) Yes. Was that known? No. What is going on there? This is this is uh, this is the Batman thing all over again. I mean, are you mad about getting a couple of Janine pages? I I'm not a big fan. Um, I'm not mad about it, but it's just what's going on. Well, what, I the, so I, I actually I up. actually have. I mean, it's because it's referencing the button, which was drawn <laughs> by Janine. That's why. You say so. But how bummed was I to be scrolling through our PDF, see a Shazam variant, and then get no Shazam in this issue? <laughs> by a, a Shazam variant, I'm pretty sure by Nick Bradshaw, no less. Is that who that was? Uh quite possibly i gotta look now i was gonna double check that's who i thought it looked like but then i forgot to check on the credits yes yes it was nick bradshaw man so good yeah like come on man don't give me that and then give me nothing imagine nick bradshaw doing a shazam book that would look so good please dc make it so (laughs) be still my heart on I, I really oh, like geez. I forgot I also <laughs> I really like the Captain Thunder version from Flashpoint 2 both his costume and his like his like uh, He-Man yes uh, Takitani um, if they want to if they want to keep a Flashpoint thing after this give us that give us that yeah I think it's fun but make it make it a regular Takitani who can like transform into this yes That'd be fun. That would be um, fun. Also, this uh, I'm not usually a uh, a Todd Knock guy, but the Todd Knock variant is pretty good too. Oh, that's the Gabagool. That's that's uh, you know that is Brian Nip all over. Even though mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of his either. Yeah, I, and yeah, and I like Todd Knock, and it he just evokes a certain time for me, and that's oh, that cover's great. Yes, I. History of the DC timeline is that like a series of variant covers or or what what is that? I believe I don't know. that is yes. Okay, Vince has got to he's gonna go hit up his local shop. And <laughs> I'm definitely put not. me down for all these variants. I'm no, no longer welcome there. No, he, he incident. He, he's he's gonna DCBS all of these like he did with all the chip kid oh, variants for conversion. It's too late now. I bet. I bet it's too late. <laughs> it is too late. But that's a great reference to a sad time in my yep. life. <laughs> A big mistake I made once. Do you guys see Pandora on there? <laughs> really? Are you yeah, serious? She's, yeah, she's in the center. John's you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. John's you madman. Uh, I guess he doesn't remember that in DC Universe Rebirth number zero, he literally blinked her out of existence. It all happened. It's true. All of it. Yeah. So don't play with my heart like that. But Pandora will be in this book, don't you think? One thousand percent. Yeah. Um, so Zach, start us off. Start us off with this book. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I think out of all of us, at the beginning, I was the one who was most open to returning to the Flashpoint universe. Is that? apt oh yeah accurate yeah um, of course not not like this <laughs> <laughs> uh this is just joyless like i don't uh, i know i'm the person who complains about there being too many words in my comics but there are too many words in this comic and um uh, it, I just like I. There's like nuggets of things here that I think could be interesting, like the aftermath of the like Atlantean Amazon Amazonian War, like that's a cool idea for a story, I think. But it's like number one, like I said, joyless to read this. And then the other, the other part is that it's squandered and that it's really secondary to everything that else is, that's happening in the story that, that I don't super care about. Um, so, yeah, I, 
I liked this even less than the first issue or the zero issue. Um, I, I am not willing to go that far because I feel like this is. Well, the zero issue at least had mine and Mary in that. So, it, you know, <laughs> yes, how could I have forgotten? Uh, but no, what I was going to say is that, that the zero issue had subpar Eduardo Riso art, whereas this had on par Zermanico art. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I enjoyed reading this more. Took the words out of my mouth. I'm not yeah, but even then, fair. like, I don't feel like Zermanico gets to do anything that interesting. I think like the best segment in this is the part where Thomas is raiding the Atlantean complex. Um, I like that double page spread that is like um, the kind of like triptych of three long panels kind of like surveying the aftermath of the battle. That all looks good. Mm-hmm. All the stuff with Wonder Woman is really good, I think. And the scenes with Aquaman are pretty good. I guess that is like half the issue. Yeah, I, I think I'm like, I'm like overestimating how much time we spent in the Wayne Manor because that stuff was just extremely drab and dull. Yeah. So yeah. I, it has been a it has been over a decade since I've read any Flashpoint tie-ins. Was Lackey Penguin always a thing? I can't remember. If it was, it was only in that Brian Azzarello miniseries, I think. I'm pretty sure it was because it was there was a Wayne Casino. Yes. I, I'm, Brian yeah. has the chips for it to prove he, it. He just, does. Just yeah. one. Just one. Dan DiDio handed him a chip and said, big, big things for Shazam. <laughs> and then said, get the fuck away from me, kid. <laughs> even how, I was how, like, dare you, how dare you speak to me? Even though I was 30 at the time or whatever I was. Uh, <laughs> he still called me kid in the condescending way. No, he didn't do that. He was he was lovely every time I interacted with Dan to the end of the Oh, we hey, miss you, Dan. Brian. Yeah. What about what? How about this bit? Didio secrets. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't uh, actually hate Nightwing. I just uh, I'm still Bernie Sanders. Some kid. Oh, go ahead, Zach. No, you go ahead. Finish, some kid came up to me at a, at a con once and said, "I love your work. Can you can you can you sign this for me?" And so I did. And then he said, "Thanks, Mister Azzarello." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there it is. Um, to tie together multiple DC three cast threads, I was uh, scrolling through Pluto the other day nice nice uh and i found a channel that was like uh, i can't remember the exact name of the channel uh but they were playing reboot nice <laughs> and so i made my wife watch like five minutes of reboot my wife my wife i specifically waited till they got to the credits just to see if i could find dan Dio's name and, I, and he wasn't in there he so wasn't there now was there. it was it pre-time skip reboot, it was it or... was pre-time skip yes okay, okay. yeah Man, you gotta love a time skip. You gotta love a time skip. It's like, and that series is only like what four seasons? I have no idea. It's like two pre-time skip seasons and then one post, or two two post seasons, I think, if I remember correct. That, I could that be, should I could be our be... next uh, our next Patreon as we yeah. watch all of reboot. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You guys have fun with that. <laughs> okay. All right. You do your. You do your, uh, what are you yeah, doing? Your daily. That's privileged okay. information there, pal. Right? It is. It is. All right. yes. I didn't know that, but okay. You got to tease the listener for my 2023 project. Well, I did. Tease oh, look him, at Brian right getting off being withholding. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that out of the show last week. So you had to get it in this week. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, here is here is a, a, a big question for everybody here. Is there any way that this has any impact on any story ever told ever again? <laughs> I mean, Zach seems to think so, and I'm saying no. <laughs> I I am more and more thinking less. So, I mean, any story ever, yeah, this will factor into some story eventually. Yeah, no, whatever think... the next thing Johns gets to do. No. <laughs> We're gonna, he's going to finally get to do his JSA book, and then he's going to start it off oh. with uh, with uh, 
Alan Scott, like finding the comedian's gun or something. So I'm glad you brought that up, Vince, because in the little epilogue section that's set in the regular DCU, Barry mentions going to meet up with Jay and that, you know, Barry's going to call the league and Jay's going to call the society. Uh, So that's one of like, again, the few acknowledgements of the JSA that we've gotten in the past few years. And of course, you know, John's is still holding the the keys for that. So uh, a little disappointing. So I wanted to talk about that last scene, but is there anything else from the rest of the issue? We feel like we absolutely have to get to before we get to that last scene. Oh, I mean, yeah, I don't feel like we talked about almost anything that happened. But what we can circle back. But is there anything that like right. we need to get before what I'm saying? Just before no, that? No, 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 no. OK, so when I first looked at this, I was like, oh, shit, this is referencing the last scene in Flashpoint. And then I realized, no, it's not. It's referencing the button. So I went back and I looked at the last scene of Flashpoint, and it is a, like, there is, there is, I I think that Johns did this intentionally. The last scene of Flashpoint involves Barry going to the Batcave, and he says, basically, um, like, you know, he explains to him what Flashpoint was. He says, you know, I went back in time to save my mother, and then, and, and at the end of it, Barry gives Bruce a note from Thomas Wayne, Mm-hmm. And and Bruce uh, cries, which I remember at the time people being very upset that Bruce would cry, which is just a, to me a funny thing because you know of course he would cry. He's a giant emo baby, <laughs> of course he's gonna cry. Yeah. Um, but so the the scene like it it begins with almost that exact panel of Barry like using his heel to slow himself down getting into the Batcave. So it is somewhat of a of a throwback to that that last scene of flashpoint it's also sort of a tie into the button which is interesting because while john's wrote the rebirth special that ended with a tease of doomsday clock and then you know ultimately kind of sort of teases the button as well because batman finds you know the button there john's had nothing to do with that at all. And and I, I I find it interesting that he's referencing an event by Josh Williamson and Tom Taylor, Tom King, rather here. Mm-hmm. Do you think I wonder if I wonder if uh, Janine was like. What if we do this or what if I draw this or, you know, I wonder how much of that right. was a colla- was a collaboration from somebody who worked on that. Yeah. And I also wonder maybe like, you know, that that story very much tied into and spun out of stuff that Johns was doing in Rebirth. So I wonder if he mm-hmm. probably had a hand in the crafting of that story. Sure, sure. Yeah, I almost kind of I'd have to double back and check, but I almost kind of think he even got like a thank you credit in in that book. Oh, I'd have to be right. It, it'd be hard for me to look that up right now, but. Yeah, I guess Wait. no, it wouldn't. I can hell. I'll I'll check it right now while we're talking. Okay. Um, <clears throat> this whole thing is an inversion of Flashpoint, though. In that, like, Flashpoint was about Barry doing something he what he shouldn't to mess with everything, and it ended up screwing everything up. And Bruce kind of having to help him work through it. Whereas this is Bruce. Thomas, rather. Thomas, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. That's right. Um, and this is uh. This is Bruce. This is Bruce doing something he shouldn't, and Barry potentially having to clean up the mess. You know, right? Um, I don't know how far it's going to go with that, but it is kind of an inversion of that idea where there's multiple scenes over the course of this and the Zero issue where somebody's like, "Bruce, are you sure you should be doing this?" Or you know, right? In this case, Corky Baxter is like, you know, it's not too late to undo this. And he's like, yeah, yes, it is. Um, I mean, it sucks. It's all sucks. I don't want to make it sound like I'm like super (laughs) interested in this, but Zach is right when he said. um, 
the like flashpoint stuff with with Aquaman and Wonder Woman is potentially the most interesting thing about this, but it's very much background noise. It's it's again, it's a means to an end for for Thomas Wayne getting what he needs. And then it's kind of like, you know, Aquaman is potentially dead. I mean, I think I think pretty clearly dead. Yeah. And there's no indication that the Wonder Woman stuff is going to pay off any more than it already did. Um, and and as I've already established, that's the the, the reclaiming the Flashpoint s- stuff is really the only thing that could possibly interest me about this project. There, um, so go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say one thing. So I in the the button part one. Uh, there is a special thanks to Jeff Johns and Josh Williamson. Um, well, Williamson which, wrote like, the other part of it. He right, he did write the other part. You're right. So, but that makes sense why he's thanked. But Jeff Jeff Johns is thanked as well. Um, also, I was reminded how Saturn Girl was a plot thread in Tom King's Batman for a while. That was totally not, and in John's Rebirth, that was totally not paid off on. Yeah. Uh, so, fuck all that. Um, <laughs> And then the other thing I wanted to say is something that I remembered. Um, but uh, one other thing that I'm mildly intrigued by in this book is this um, imminent alien threat that's being teased. So to, 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 to fully like be John's pilled over this, that imminent alien threat to me felt like the literal doomsday clock from Watchmen where it's like this device that is in the background to add a sense of urgency to the proceedings. Mm. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, yeah I'm uh, trying to think of like what it could be. Um, I mean, it could be any, any number of, of races of aliens or whatever. Yeah. Son of um, Saturn gets a name drop in this, which is yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yes. When was the last time we saw Jem, Son of Saturn? Hey, we fucking saw David Knight, the the yeah the the forgotten Starman reference oh, so you, here. So you gave this a ten out of ten, then. Well, I actually wrote in my notes here that there's like a million references to past DC things here, and if I had read this 15 years ago, I'd have thought this was like an amazing comic because of all the references to things like son of Saturn, like David Knight, you know, all of these things that are part of like DC ephemera that don't get talked about that much. But then when you look at this at like none of, not a single stitch of that contributes to the story whatsoever. And none of it's going to pay off. Absolutely not. I, I think the alien thing will, pay, I think that is a thread that is going to pay off in this book. And I think it is going to, dovetail somehow into the Superman stuff because both the zero issue and the this issue reference Project Superman. Mm-hmm. I, I don't necessarily expect it to pay off in a satisfying way, but I do think those are like John's and company, which like I I we are talking about John's a lot and there are two other co-writers on this book. And I, yes. I it does a disservice to them to like not talk about them, but John's just he, he just looms so heavily over this project. It, it's, it's really kind of unfair to them in, in almost every way. <laughs> um, it's, it's also very hard to distinguish. Like eventually with something like 52, you were able to say, okay, this, this part feels like John's, this part feels like Wade. Like there's just, there's not enough here to give us any sense of sort of which, you know, which part feels like, which writer mm-hmm. also because we don't we've only we've read limited books by the other two guys right and this and this is this as you said has the stink of john's all over it yeah yeah so um and again like i i i do have to look at myself a little i'm trying to look at my own reaction a little objectively because I know I said that I thought this was like too joyless and I I stand by that in parts, but I also think I would probably be a little more forgiving of this book if it was just, um, 
Adams and Sheridan writing it. And maybe that's not fair, but I mean, I think that's fair. You do like if they, like if this. I don't think it's fair if like the exact same product were delivered to me just without Johns's name on it. Well, maybe I that think is. John, I think Johns's name represents something. It does. You're, uh, yeah, I guess I'm talking about just like in terms of the quality of the book versus no. the versus the just the stigma and the stink of a writer who I have issues with. You know what I mean? I I don't disagree with that, but I also do think that there is both Sheridan and Adams have given us reason to be optimistic mm-hmm. and to say that maybe this is worth the benefit of the doubt. Whereas we have like, we have hard evidence that when John's does stuff in the flashpoint universe, we don't like that stuff. And so I think we would be more optimistic if we felt there was a case of, um, of potential redemption here. Sure. But I think because of John's reputation and because we have, again like many issues to to go back on we can say when he does stuff like this this tends to not work out that well yeah and i just to add on to that like two points for one i to me adams and sheridan are like unrecognizable in here Mm -hmm. I, i can't figure out where they begin and end and that's not that's not necessarily a bad thing it's not an indictment that alone is not an indictment of anyone i'm just saying like if I were optimistic about their participation in this, I certainly can't tell where it is. Right. Second point though, like if anyone thinks I'm, I am biased against this just because it is John's um, after having listened to the DC three cast for however many years uh, you have, does it sound like a book where there's a Batman who runs around killing people and he's the most grim, messed up version of Batman there is. Uh, and Wonder Woman and Aquaman fight and Aquaman ends up dead. Does that sound like something I would like, no matter whose name was on it? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know to, be, saying? to, to like, be fair, a Wonder Woman who is nice with it is tied up in bondage. So maybe you'd like it. Um, I Hey, now you those are your words, not mine <laughs> is what I'll say. Is there anything else about the about the um, I want to get to the last page in a couple of minutes. But is there anything else before then in the book you want to talk about? Um, boy, oh, boy. Uh, the one the one thing that was fun about this issue is if you read the penguin from this story as uh colin farrell's penguin it's pretty fun (laughs) so i read it like so um danny devito no i i read it basically as biff from the end of back to the future we're like now he's nice biff as this is like nice penguin Uh like like a higher pitched voice smiles more that sort of stuff (laughs) i guess yeah hey thomas you know like uh, your book arrived yeah, yeah, that that sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, Vince, talk about the last page. Um, the last page. What? Oh, uh, what was the last? Hang on, let me scroll to it. It's the reveal oh, of who's in the yep. back cave with with Bruce. Corky Baxter. Yeah, I mean, we already knew that, right? Like, right. I was, I was saying, but like, you know, just talk about it. What is? What do you think is what is um... uh, it's it's stupid. It's <laughs> it's very stupid. Um, the, Bruce messing with time somehow, I guess, using Janie Slater's watch. Um, just just really dumb stuff that I don't. <laughs> we already established how, how much I don't like, like. The Bruce in this. Like doing like what like what is he doing i know we're not supposed to know but does this not seem like it's just a massive contrivance considering everything that's going on in the dcu right now you know yeah like again i don't know if we're supposed to believe 
um, that this is taking place anywhere near Dark Crisis. Probably not. But it just doesn't track with anything, you know? Right. Nothing that this character is doing is reads to me as a Bruce that has been recognizable to us in any recent configuration. That is a that is a good point. Yes. Yeah, I'll agree with that too. I mean, to me, the idea of Bruce fucking with time is marginally more interesting than a story about Flashpoint Batman. Just because I I feel like that could actually be kind of fun in a way, but I just I can't I, I can't get behind the story. I really I really truly can't. It just there there's nothing here for me just yet. I will give this another go because of Sheridan and Adams. But that's pretty much the only reason why. And, and for, from some nice Zermanico art, too, I suppose. But yeah, it, I, I do like Zermanico a lot. Yeah, I think, th- go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, I'm going to keep reading this just because it's one of those things that I, I want to know what happens, you know, <laughs> not because I. It's it's just the curiosity of it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a car crash. Yeah. yeah, I guess I I guess I do have a grim curiosity in that. Like, again, I'm going to use the word tasteless, but I don't mean it in like. I use that to describe the zero issue of this, and I, I don't want anyone to think it's because I think like DC is above this because they're not. Um, but it's just so outside of my tastes, like, uh, like. I guess Thomas Wayne Batman always was, you know, mm-hmm. the whole idea that like Martha Wayne is the Joker and Thomas, what if Thomas Wayne was Batman, but he kills it's like, it was created in a lab to repel me, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I always felt that way. Even, even in the old flashpoint, there was other stuff about flashpoint that I was interested in. Lots of, st- in fact, almost everything else, but the Thomas and Martha stuff is just like particularly edge Lord to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not wrong about that. Um, so yeah, I guess, I guess like I will be grimly invested in how tasteless this can be to me, but ugh. this is definitely one of those books where it's like, as soon as I have the chance, I'm going to be flipping to the last page just to see what's there. You know, it's one of those yes. things. Yeah, I guess. Which, like, that's just event books in general, you know. Mm-hmm. And so far, both times, it's been Corky Baxter. Yeah. On the last page. That's true. But anyway. All right, folks, that does it for this week's show. Uh, Vincey, what comes out next week? Oh, let's see. Uh, Batgirls number six, um, Batman Urban Legends 15, Blood Syndicate season one, number one, uh, Future State Gotham 13. I am Batman nine, uh, Justice League versus the Legion of Superheroes number three, Naomi season two, number three, Suicide Squad Get Joker number three, Superman Son of Kal El number 11, The Jurassic League number one. Yeah, baby. Sandman Universe Nightmare Country number two, Wonder Woman 787. Well, that uh, there is some stuff to talk about that week, especially Jurassic League. I am like un, I am unra- I'm irrationally excited for that book. Because Me too. It, should, it should just be big, dumb fun. And more comics should be big, dumb fun. So I'm glad about that. But if you can touch with us, two thirds of us are on Twitter. I am a Brian Needs an app. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is. Um, let's see, what can Vince be doing this week? Vince is going back and reading through all the Flashpoint stuff to tell us what's worth revisiting before next time. No, I'm watching the NFL draft. Of course you are. <laughs> of course you are. Oh, man, this one Getty on art, you guys. It says so much about you and the type of person you are that you get more excited by the 
thought of football than you do by actual football. Yeah, the NFL draft is the most electrifying event in sports. Um, it's better than opening week of football or baseball. It's no, better than the playoffs. No, it's it's everyone wins. Everyone feels like they come out a winner. I'll, I'll remind you of, the, of that exact statement when you're pissed about who the Packers take. You know? <laughs> that everyone comes out a winner of this. It's inevitable. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with more. Stay tuned and enjoy. If if we if we can't complain about reading these shitty books, <laughs> what else do we have? Yes, I'm only flesh and blood. <laughs> <laughs>